Happy holidays, y'all. This is Unsuitable with Mary B. Saferit. It's a podcast for single Christians who are trying to navigate a culture obsessed with marriage without losing our minds in the process. We offer practical tips, honest conversations with other single Christians, and a feeling of companionship for those not walking the typical Christian path. Season 11 is a holiday special mini season all about how to manage the holidays as a whole human person who happens to be single. It's almost Christmas, which means we are almost at the end of our holiday mini season. Today, you'll hear about why I hate using the word waiting when talking about singleness, how to reframe the narrative around waiting, and why our big feelings actually make us primed to celebrate Christmas. Before we dive in, give me 15 seconds to tell you about a free guide I made to help single folks navigate the holiday season. The holidays can be a wild time, particularly for us single folks. But you're not about that life. You're looking for something to help you decompress and sort through the whirlwind of thoughts and feelings so you can enjoy the holidays on your terms. I made a free guided reflection just for you. Get your free copy of Single for the Holidays at the link in the episode description or at marybesafer.com slash links. All right, let's dive into today's episode. Here's the thing about me. I hate using the word waiting in conjunction with singleness. Add in season and it's barf city for me. And yet here we are in Advent, the season of waiting. So we're going to talk about it. The thing that bugs me about the word waiting is less about the fact that it is used and more about how it is used. Like content, it is often thrown over singles, typically single women, who express dissatisfaction with their lives. To me, the implication is that the person using the word is asking me to sit down, be a good girl, and twiddle my thumbs until God sends me a man to choose me and make me a worthy woman of God. As the kids say, couldn't be me. Patriarchy aside, I wonder if we singles could reframe this language used about our lives to ask a different question. If singleness is a season of waiting, what are we waiting for? I'd like for us to journey into scripture to look at two characters who might give us a different perspective on this question. In the second chapter of Luke, we meet Simeon and Anna. Both are fixtures at the temple. Both encounter we taught Jesus when he is presented at the temple. We know that Anna is a widow and has been for decades. Simeon's marital status is not stated, but he's also very old. They both recognize Jesus for who he is, the long-awaited Messiah. Let's spend a bit more time with Anna because she gets way less coverage in the text and has zero lines. But Anna was a prophetess. Verse 37 says she did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. Our girl was hardcore. Anna seems to be the picture of faithful waiting, but she's not waiting on a husband. She was waiting for the same thing all of Israel was waiting for. Jesus. This humble prophetess had eyes to see and ears to hear well before Jesus uttered his first sermon or performed his first sign. Anna always makes me think about faith and hope and promises. God tends to be unpredictable. When many were looking for a king who would overthrow the Roman Empire, Anna recognized the promised savior in a baby from the middle of nowhere. There's something about faith that keeps our eyes open. While many in church might think that marriage is the solution to all of our relational problems, by faith, 
We singles know that God has given us all kinds of relationships, and each is essential and beautiful. The church might be obsessed with getting us singles unsingle, but God has given us the promise of a family deeper than a nuclear family. Where our insular white Western culture segments us into individual household, God gives us a vision of a beautifully interdependent community. When I think about what singles are waiting for, I think it's less about marriage and more about the church living up to what it was created to be. I'm not waiting on a husband. I'm waiting for the married church to realize they don't have a monopoly on holiness and righteousness. I'm waiting for the church to see the unique values singles have in the body, as we are where we are. In Hebrews 11, we read about our ancestors living by faith, all of them waiting for the ultimate promise they wouldn't see. When I think about waiting, I don't think about a husband. I think about my ancestors who died waiting for something I already have. And by faith, through the Spirit and the grace of God, I hope to continue that legacy during this part of God's bigger story. To me, that's the beauty of Advent. It's a time to remember the darkness to sit with our ancestors in their waiting. Because Jesus has come and the kingdom of God is in our midst, but the restoration is still happening. Even though we know the light has come and will come again, Advent invites us to remember that we can't control when it does. God meets us in the darkness, in our vulnerability, in the times when we feel unsuitable. Dr. Therapist and I have spent many sessions discussing not beating myself up for uncomfortable feelings. You know, the ones I feel like I shouldn't have. Anger, disappointment, desire, resentment, unsuitability. Mayhaps that's relatable to you. While expressing the challenges of the season, you might want to add caveats like, it feels selfish, but... Or, I feel guilty for saying this, but... If there's one thing Dr. Therapist has taught me, it's that making ourselves feel bad about our feelings isn't going to make those feelings go away. If it did, I would be the picture of emotional health. Around Christmas, a lot of feelings can come up. Warm, fuzzy feelings, yes, but also the murkier ones. While it's a lovely time to celebrate Jesus' birth and be with the people we love, it can also be complicated. One of the many cool things about Jesus is that we don't have to feel a certain kind of way to be worthy of his love or presence. In fact, part of Jesus's humanity was experiencing the feelings we experience. In the midst of all the kerfuffle and angst, Jesus simply invites us, Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. I think the gospel will always be the best news to those who are weary, those who are lonely, those who are outsiders, those who are waiting. Perhaps those who appreciate the light the most are the ones who are keenly aware of the darkness. One of my favorite passages these days is in Isaiah 58. The whole chapter slaps, but I'll pull out a little chunk for us to sit with. Here's verse 11. And the Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your desire in scorched places and make your bones strong. And you shall be like a watered garden, like a spring of water whose waters don't fail. The context of this passage is a rebuke for God's people. Their practices were not honoring God, and so God called for them to repent, to care for the poor, and to free the oppressed. The words in verse 11 are filled with longing for holistic restoration and a promise that that restoration is coming. The Old Testament promises a coming salvation and a kingdom, 
a restoration and a redemption of this weary world. In that story, we see God working, moving, and remaining silent sometimes. We see God's people move with God and away from God. We hear them grumble and curse and praise and rejoice. And with the hope and longing and hunger of generations, the light finally comes. Not because Israel was behaving especially well at that moment, not because they had finally learned their lesson, whatever that means, and were ready to receive God in their midst. No, the light came because it was time. If there is any time of year to let Christ meet us exactly where we are, it is Christmas, because that is what he did, and that's what he does. Merry Christmas, y'all. I am never not rooting for you. It's no secret that many singles feel like outsiders in the church. That's why we've created a Patreon community. For a small monthly fee, you can get access to bonus content, plus a community where your voice and presence are valued. Tiers start at just $5 a month. Sign up at patreon.com slash unsuitable. Thanks for listening. You can follow me on Instagram and TikTok at marybeat.safrit. And follow the podcast on Instagram at unsuitablepodcast so you don't miss any updates and highlights. Unsuitable with Mary B. Seyfried is a production of Mary B. Seyfried, LLC, all rights reserved. That's all for now. Catch you on the flippity flop. <laughs>